Joining us now on the Nordic Football Podcast, I'm delighted to say that we're going to be joined by perhaps the man of the weekend uh, after a fantastic result for ASC Eskilstuna, who beat the Champions Malmo uh, 3-1 at the weekend. We are delighted to be joined by Michael Jolly, who is the first team manager of ASC Eskilstuna. Michael, thank you for joining us. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Steve. Good to speak to you. Thanks for yeah. coming on. No problem. My pleasure. Yeah, it's delight, delighted to speak to you. I mean, uh, obviously, being an Englishman yourself, uh, you know, we, we've got a particular interest in you and you, how, how things are going out there. I mean, I mean the first place to, to start, there's no other place to start really, is the AFC game against Malmo at the weekend. I mean, that was a, a fantastic result for, uh, for, for AFC. Uh, very unexpected, to be honest. I think there was 30, 36 points separating the two teams before, before kickoff. Um, let's start there and then we'll kind of go into a wider conversation. But let's just talk about that game itself. How, you know, you must be absolutely thrilled after that game. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think it was really the culmination of all the work that we've been doing since I arrived over a couple of months. Um, but to speak about that game in particular, of course, when you play in Malmo, you know, we, we knew we were heavy underdogs and we had to uh, we had to find uh, maybe a slightly different way of, of playing or making the game feel different for Malmo. But uh, some of their spectators decided not to come to the game. I think worked in our favour because uh, our stadium has a particular feel to it, and um, you know it would have been strange for the Malmo players coming out into that atmosphere. Uh, and I think the way we played as well made made it a different kind of game for Malmo, and it was a different kind of uh, problem for them to solve. And happily for us, you know, we we managed to get the better of them certainly for the first half, um, and got got a really good lead, and then. Second half, we defended for our lives, and and our goalkeeper played well, and, and it was a great three points. So uh, it's a big boost for us in our situation to beat Malmo. Um, that you know, I think they are the best team in Sweden, and I think they will go on and win the league. So it shows that we can compete with the best. Uh, but now we have to quickly refocus because we've got ten more important league games and a cup game to play tomorrow night. So um, you know, that we, we can't just rest on our laurels and be happy with. The fact we beat Malmo because we still have a big job to do to to stay in Alsvenska. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> let's look at this from a tactical tactical point of view to start with, if you don't mind, before we widen it out. I mean, you, you you've um you've been at Burnley yourself in England, and you know you're from from all reports like an upcoming young coach, and you've got new ideas, and you know you've seen things you've brought to Sweden already. I just wonder from a tactical point of view how you approach the Malmo game because obviously they're the champions, they're a massive club, and you've had some transfer dealings yourself. I just wondered if there's anything tactically you did um, that was maybe different, or you know, even if it was like training and the lead up to the game, or getting in the mentality of the players to make them believe they can beat Malmo. Tell us about a bit about the approach from a coach's point of view and how you approach those kind of things. You know, those challenges. Yeah, I mean, we we looked at uh, myself and my assistant coach. We looked at a lot of Malmo games and and we played them ourselves in my first game uh, in early July. So we knew their structure quite well and how they like to attack. Um, and we decided our best approach was going to be to, to man-mark uh, certain key players. Mm. So we um, we did that and we, we identified players in our team that we felt you know could do specific jobs against specific players. And then we, we had um, certain areas of the field that we wanted to try and press uh, very well or very aggressively to try and win the ball. So we, it was really based on you know man-marking, pressing in certain areas and then using the good players that we have on counter-attack. So we've got Mohamed Boyatarai and Omar Adari and others who are very effective counter-attacking players. Um, 
and we did a lot of preparation during the week on on those aspects certainly on man marking because so many players are used to zonal marking now and and, and really forget about man marking so uh, we, we we did some work where we, we did some video work looking at basketball players man marking their opponents and distances from the opponents as the ball travels and these kinds of things and I have to say to the to the players they did a great job because they they learn it uh, very quickly um, and it was challenging for them because like I say it wasn't something they were used to there's a lot of decision making involved because of course if one if one player loses his man then everybody else has to make an adjustment as well so um, tactically it worked out really well and it's a great option for us to have in these last 10 games because uh, if we find another team that we think it's appropriate for, then it, you know we, we know the players can can do it well if, if we ask them to. Yeah, that, that's really fascinating. I mean, very very quickly on that one. I mean, I, I know that you, you play Ty Tyra, who we'll speak about in a second because we, we talked about him in the last podcast. But um, Andrew Fox is a player from England, and he kind of played on the left side. I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but is he a kind of a primary left midfielder, or was he a left back that you had kind of decided to play? in an advanced role to shore up that left side with Taiwo as a left side. He's got an interesting background, Andrew, because he's he played um, he played for Peterborough in League One and Stevenage in League Two as, as a left back predominantly. But he spent some time in the United States in college football, uh, playing uh, more in a more advanced role on both sides of the field. So on the right hand side coming in on his left foot and on the left hand side delivering crosses from you know from high up the pitch. So one of the, the reasons I, I wanted to sign Andrew, number one, he's a very good character. Uh, number two, he's a very good player. And number three, he can play in two or three different positions on the field. Uh, so that that was perfect for us because we we wanted that versatility in, in some of the players we were bringing in. Um, yeah. And certainly against Malmo, he had a really good performance, and I think he I think he created at least one goal uh, for, for Boya. So no, he's he's done really well in the three games that he's played. And that leads me to the next question in terms of the differences between perhaps Swedish football and English football, because you've come, like I say, you've come from Burnley and you've been in English football predominantly. Um, and you've gone there as a foreign manager and you've obviously, you know, there's been English managers in the past, Roy Hodgson, for example, is a high profile one, um, who've implemented their own ideas in, in different countries. So for yourself, you know, implementing that kind of thing, what would you, have you identified, are there any key differences perhaps between English and Swedish football? I know it's 23s, maybe it's obviously slightly different in terms of intensity and that, but have you noticed any key differences so far that surprise you or anything that's kind of taken you by shock or that you've not been prepared for since you've moved there? I think I'm going to hedge my bets with my answer. On, on one level, I think it's very similar because, uh, you know, you get all the all the shades of the rainbow in different teams. Uh, I th- you know, I think in watching Premier League football up close as I have at Burnley, you get lots of different styles certainly in the championship you get teams that get it forward quickly you get crossing teams counter-attacking teams pressing teams teams that drop off um, and I think I've, I've experienced that variety here as well you know you've got some possession teams some some counter-attack some more direct so um, it's, it's similar in that respect what I would say is um, I think we're, we're slightly different in Sweden because we've got a slightly different uh, profile of players. We've got quite a few African players and players from different from countries, whereas a lot of players have got mostly Swedish uh, players in their squad. A lot of yeah. teams, mostly Swedes in their squad. So um, I'm not saying that limits them, but that usually you get a similar type of uh, team structure, and most of the teams here are possession based. 
so it's, it's, it's sort of fairly common formations a lot of times isn't it? yeah that's true but I mean what, what I've already learned some new things since I've come to Sweden so uh, you know in England I think a lot of teams like to make a back three when they're building up by dropping in one midfield player uh, either between the centre-backs or to the side of the centre-backs whereas here a lot of teams send one full-back up on one side and just leave the rest of the back uh, for as a back three so you get this kind of um, asymmetric attacking with one fullback higher than, than the other and one wide player coming inside. So there's there's been some really interesting things that I've uh, seen for the first time here as well, and that's that's been good for me. That's fascinating. I mean, let, let's move on to the summer council window because there was significant business for for AFC um, this summer. I mean, I believe I'm right in saying hey, this is your first season as a kind of a first team manager at senior level. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, how was the summer window for you? You know, your first experience of that was it a bit crazy? And obviously, you've got players in from you know com- completely different countries, backgrounds. Ty Taiwo was at AC Milan, for example. Andrew Fox is from Stevenage. Other players. Um, how hard is it? To, how hard was it for you to get the players that you wanted? And how was the window in general? Yeah, it, I'd say that was one of the toughest parts so far because. Um, it's funny you become a head coach and all of a sudden you're the most popular man on the you know on LinkedIn with agents and all these things. So um, I think we were probably getting between myself and the sporting director we were getting sent between thirty and fifty players every day of the window wow. uh, uh, for, for us to look at. Uh, how, do you, how do you filter that kind of thing? I mean, it's almost impossible. To... I, I relied heavily on the sporting director and he did a great job uh, as a food our sporting director. He, he did an excellent job in terms of. Uh, doing a lot of the filtering and trying to, you know, I, I spoke with him early in the window to try and give some clarity on the types of players we wanted to recruit. We had certain uh, positions uh, requirements and also certain character or characteristic requirements, I guess. Um, but for me, there was there was two big aspects because I'd just arrived and obviously we're in the situation we're in it at the bottom of our Svenskin. Yeah. So I, there were some players that I felt fairly quickly weren't going to be able to help us from, from inside well, and, and it was probably just as important to find new solutions for them mm. whether it be loan or, or you know to go and, go and play in new clubs uh, and that really created space in the squad to bring in Taiwo, to bring in uh, Andy Fox, Sharif, Mohamed, Farshad Noor uh, and the other players we brought so um, it was it, it was uh, important that we, we we did both sides of it because if we just uh, brought the players we brought without releasing the ones we released then that would have been tough. Um, but I'm quite happy with the, the squad I think we leave we leave the window much stronger than we entered it uh, and and the last thing to say is you know we, we have got some excellent players and, and the, the window is closed in Sweden now but I know it's still open in Europe and we're keen to hold on to the, uh, the our best players all our players but certainly our best players because I know that there are some clubs that uh, covet them and they've been performing well certainly recently so uh, if we can hold on to them I think it gives us a great chance in these last 10 games. Yeah that'll be interesting to see I mean I know there's been you know, some interesting you know, Adari and Buyatore for example the two players who've done really well and, and you know, I'm sure there are others so that'll be a challenge for, for you I imagine. I mean one of the reasons the Malmo game was such a big result as well is because it actually pushes um, AFC up to uh, 11 points now which from 20 games which has pushed them now to sort of 5 points off um, being in with a shadow of survival, uh, you're shopping as well. Kind of fourth bottom with 19 points, but but a win could take you above Helmstad, give Sundsvall five points. So you've you've really put yourself back in the race. I mean, how do you see your 
survival chances going forward from here with 10 games left? I think that uh, when I arrived, I looked at the fixtures, there were 18 games to go and I, I kind of mentally uh, put them in blocks of six games, three blocks of six games and the first six games were really tough in terms of the the opponents we had to play, we had uh, you know we had Malmo away, we had Sirius away, Yurgarden uh, who were flying at the time, Norshock in the way, and AIK away. So you know th these were mostly teams at the top. We had a double header against Kalmar where we took we took three points. Uh, so as we go into the last ten games, uh, we've taken seven points out of the. I think I've had eight games. We've taken seven points, but prior to that, we took four points from twelve. So. I think there's been a progression there, but of course we've still got plenty of work to do and, and we're still bottom of the table. So, um, like I said previously in, in my last answer, the squad is in good shape. Uh, we've got 10 games to go and I don't think that any of them will be easy, but they're, they're against teams that are closer to us in league position than the, the previous games we've played. So, uh, the team is competitive, is fighting, uh, which, which is great to see. Uh, I don't think we have to win all the games, but we probably have to win at least uh, at least four or five to, to stand a good chance of uh, surviving. Uh, and I think you know, I think we have a reasonable chance of doing it now. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating the last ten games, and obviously we wish you the best of the North the podcast. I mean, the final question I have really before we let you go, and you know, I'm sure you've got busy, many things to be doing, uh, so we really appreciate your time, but. I yeah, just wanted to kind of ask you what you feel like the lifestyle uh, change has been like and you know moving to Sweden obviously there's the human side of things you know going to a different country having to adapt to the culture maybe pick up a bit of Swedish um, you know I don't have many words in my vocabulary myself but uh, but you know how's all that kind of side of things been for you and uh, you know are you enjoying the experience in general? Yeah absolutely no I think uh, I think it was a big shift career-wise but probably an even bigger shift in terms of my life so my, my wife and I have both moved over here to Sweden and uh, it's, it's really important that she's happy and I'm happy in our lives away from the football and I think slowly we're settling down uh, we, we found a house uh, to move into in the next few weeks um, and uh, the Swedish people have been very welcoming it's it's a fairly gentle shift culturally because everybody speaks English so mm. you know, we're trying to learn some Swedish but it's hard because everybody immediately starts talking English to us yeah. uh, but I know Eskilstuna is, is, is a nice place, it's a, a one hour from Stockholm which is a fantastic uh, city so we, we've had some good trips to Stockholm and we, we like where we live at the moment. Um, today was the first day where it got a little bit cold so that was slightly worrying because it's only late August but um, <laughs> and Swedish winter. Yeah so we're, um, we're gearing up for the winter I guess at this, at this time but no, everything is uh, everything's worked well so far, and we're quite happy here, and uh, we're enjoying the experience. Uh, that's fantastic stuff. Yeah, and my only advice there could be uh, get yourself a scarf and some nice gloves because it, it does get cold in Sweden in the winter. I know that from experience. But anyway, Michael, um, it's been really fascinating talking to you, especially about certain things, and the insight you've given us has been really, really well um, appreciated. So, yeah, we wish you all the best. We'll be keeping an eye on your games as, as we have been doing since you arrived uh, in the country and. Yeah, I hope to talk to you maybe soon, you know, maybe towards the end of the season. But yeah, thanks again for your time. I, I really appreciate it and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks, uh, thanks for the call. Cheers. Bye-bye.